This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, open year-round. Learn more at bbg.org. This week on Meet and 3, it's our season four finale, and we're sharing some of our greatest kitchen joys. Maybe most people consider making it too much work or too messy, but this is the food that's worth the work and worth the wait. You always know where the thing is because you put it away the right way the first time. You just sort of stand there in front, you know, with your hand on your hip and one leg outstretched, glass of wine in your hand, staring into the refrigerator going, okay, speak to me. Oh yeah, what are you doing with the celery tonight? I'm making a simple syrup for a gin cocktail with the celery. And I also found a recipe for a celery soup that's going to use up the celery and the potatoes and some of that dill that we still have hanging out in there. (laughs) Tune in and be inspired to find the joy in your kitchen. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet in 3 wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Feast Meets West, the show tracing the stories behind your favorite Asian foods. I'm your host, Linda Liu. We are broadcasting live from Heritage Radio Network at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Every episode, we dig deep on an aspect of Asian cuisine or culture by having a conversation with the passionate people from the world of Asian food. Today, we're talking about the ultimate umami flavor bomb, miso. Vaso owner, Michael Gyokuku, and executive chef, Emily Yuan, are in the studio with me today to tell us about all the different miso varietals and the applications of miso beyond that popular miso soup. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, So I'll first try to answer the question, what is miso? And feel free to jump in here, of course. Um, Miso is a fermented soybean paste that is produced by fermenting soybeans with salt and the fungus koji. Sometimes there's rice, barley, seaweed, or other ingredients. The result is a paste that is high in protein, vitamins, and delivers a ton of flavor. While a staple in the Japanese pantry for thousands of years, we've seen miso become a widely accessible item in most Western grocery stores over the last few decades. Now, how did that come about? It is believed that way, way, way back in the 700s, the practice of soybean fermentation might have spread from China to Japan. And then over the centuries in Japan, the process of making miso was refined and different types were developed. Forward to the early 20th century, Japanese immigrants brought miso making to the United States. The first miso company in the U.S. opened in Sacramento in 1907. And over the next 15 years, four more miso companies opened, all in California, and all founded by Japanese immigrants. In the 60s and 70s, with the booming interest in natural foods and the macrobiotic food movement, and the growing popularity of sushi, of course, and that omnipresent pairing of miso soup, the mass American audience also became miso lovers. 
Do you ladies have anything to add to that history? <laughs> well, I've learned so much from your <laughs> Um, so what's your relationship with miso, Maiko, Emily? Do you remember the first time you had it? I don't remember the very first time, but I do remember loving miso soup. I think mm-hmm. for, uh, for me, you know, my mom's miso soup was the best and she would make all different kinds. Um, in Japan, you you know, make miso soup with seasonal ingredients and a lot of times use different misos for different seasons. So in the summer we would have red miso soup with um, nameko mushrooms and mm. in the, you know, wintertime it would be more creamier white miso with something like yams or, you know, daikon radish. So I do remember that. Yeah, even the soup is so different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the first time I had miso as well, but I think um, I remember the first time I had like really good miso. Um, I think it was about maybe like four years ago mm. um, where I was at Michael's father's house. And, um, and where is this? Um, Michael's father's house in yeah. Upper West Side. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll give you the address later. <laughs> um, where we were making um, just different miso sauces together. And I think it was the first time that I realized that, you know, there's much more to miso than just like, you know, your generic miso soup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I also um, have this like food memory w- around trying miso for the first time in miso soup <laughs> again not mm-hmm. original um but I was four or five and like newly immigrated to the U.S. and um my palate was just so used to like Chinese food growing up that tasting miso I was like wow this is distinctly a different flavor and I don't know how I feel about it right now <laughs> it's just so new and it's so yeah full of flavor I think as a four-year-old, I was like, I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. But I grew to, of course, just love it so much. Well, it's such a welcoming flavor. And I think that miso soup is definitely the first type, you know, the first dish you might have where miso is incorporated. There's something very comforting about the flavor. And yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, most kids enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so what are the main types of miso that we should know about and, and typically that we can find in grocery stores now too? So there's, you know, a lot of times miso is categorized by its color. There's mm-hmm. yellow miso, white miso, red miso, um, and awasa miso is a different type, which is a kind of a blended miso of white and red. Mm. Um, and by white, it's not actually you know, white, white, it's more of a fainter yellow. It's more of a paler yellow, for sure. Um, Yellow miso tends to be more, I guess, closer to mustard yellow Mm. um, color. Very trendy. (laughs) And then there's red miso, which also varies in a range of different shades of, you know, burgundy red. Mm -mm, mm -hmm. Some of the, some of the um, saltier red misos tend to be, you know, more brown, dark brown in color. And what um, makes those colors so different? <laughs> Is it uh, the fermentation or the ingredients? It's a combination. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, white miso tends to have more koji, 
and less soybeans mm -hmm. and less salt uh, and less fermentation time. But red miso tends to have more soybeans, more salt, longer fermentation time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really produces the saltier flavor as well. Mm, the saltier flavor. Um, what else about the flavor does the color or ingredients affect? Uh, so with the fermentation time, the I think it's part of the Meyerd effect. Am I saying it right, mm -hmm. Emily? Yeah. <laughs> Is there so some science there? <laughs> yes, definitely. So the the koji is breaking down the proteins into you know simple sugars, mm. and it's uh, with time it's producing the richer, deeper color, but it's also kind of reflecting the saltier flavor that comes from the fermentation process. Mm. Mm, and I also think like, um, you know, a lot of, you know, Western Western culture is like really interested in miso now. So I think there's different categories besides just like, you know, the rice, barley, soybean. I mean, you can make miso from like, any sort of legume so a lot of people are making like chickpea miso now oh, so I think wild. yeah <laughs> and like a dookie red bean miso so it's like hard to say that there's really like a like you know just like these categories mm -hmm. right traditionally miso is made with soybeans but mm -hmm. really it's a fermented bean paste so you can right. you can just get a hold of some beans and right. ferment it right I was reading online there's black bean miso now. Ooh, that could yeah. create a very dramatic effect on the plate. Yeah, yeah. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> For starters, yeah. Um, so when should uh, you as like a cook or in the kitchen use each kind of these misos? Is there a typical application or recipe you can share um, for like the typical ones we currently find? Well, for white miso, I would use, you know, I would use something like white miso, which is more delicate in flavor for things like sauces or um, dressings. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas things like for red miso, you know, you might use it as a marinade for, for chicken or part of a barbecue sauce. Recipe. I see. So get the meat involved with the mm -hmm. darker mm -hmm. colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also, um, I mean, me and Michael have really different, like, palettes. I like sweeter, so I will, Ooh. like, you know, use, like, Saikyo Miso. It's a little bit, um, from Kyoto, it's a little bit more refined and sweet. What makes it sweet? Um, well, it has more rice in it ah, compared okay. to soybeans, and it's, uh, low, like, you know, a little less salt and fermented oh, for a less uh -huh. amount of time. Um, so I like to use that with, like, a... I wouldn't use it for, like, you know, miso soup because it would be too sweet. But for mm -hmm. a marinade for a fish, it's really good. But I think Michael likes a little bit more salty things, so she would tend to use. Um, and in her household, her father is also from northern Japan, so they like saltier misos. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that um, regional preference in Japan for misos. Yeah, so... My, for example, my father's side of the family is from Miyagi Prefecture, uh, and they have a miso that's from that's a red miso known as Sendai miso, and it's mm -hmm. one of the richest, deepest in color, um, saltier misos. And that region does have like 
deeper flavors, kind mm-hmm. of saltier flavors. I is think. it in the north because like it's colder there, so they want more rich flavor? Exactly. Okay. I think it has to do with the temperature, the weather. Mm. You want things that are heartier uh, and deeper in flavor. Whereas in milder climates down south, they use a lot more white misos. Like in Kyoto, they use the Saikyo misos. So it def- definitely depends on the climate that you're in. Mm-hmm. So um, growing up, how many misos did you have at <laughs> home? Um, we had a lot. I mean, my dad owned a restaurant, so we were constantly testing out dishes at home and my mom loved to cook so we had um my mom's favorite was the saikyo miso Mm -hmm. but we also had yellow miso uh, which is called shinshu and then there's uh red misos like the sendai miso and different varieties but um i just remember my family always kind of mixing and matching. Mm-hmm. Um, awase miso is mixed miso, but you can definitely do that yourself at home and just combine different types of miso and make your own flavors. Yeah, and um, you were telling me earlier about a special miso blend. You guys use the Tama miso. Oh, What's yeah. that? So that was also constantly in our fridge. Uh, it was a special. It's a special miso that you use for. Is it a common type or something that you guys blended up no, at the restaurant? No, it, it's together? actually used a lot in kaiseki mm. um, cuisine. So it has a d- definitely has like a more refined taste to it. Uh, traditionally, you add sugar, a little sweet sake, and egg yolks. And my dad would make his own custom tamamiso, and we'd have it in the fridge. And it's basically like. Like, use it as a condiment, like barbecue sauce or ketchup. So, I mean, that was like our version of ketchup at home. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sounds so great. (laughs) And for our listeners that want to taste, Maiko and Emily have kindly shared their recipe for a Tama Miso. So we'll be posting that on the Feast Meets West website and social media over the next couple of days. Um. How long does it typically take to ferment? Because I was reading like as short as three months, but mm-hmm. as long as I have no idea, is it possible to like over ferment miso? Um, I think it is possible okay. to over ferment miso. I, um, I mean, I was also reading up on that and I don't think like, you know, anyone has really over fermented miso, but there is like such a thing as over fermenting beer and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like it changes the taste um, of the miso if you over ferment for mm-hmm. like more than you know for years and years it's definitely miso is much more forgiving than a lot of fermented foods yeah um, so I find that even if there's an expiration date for miso for like a year I have it in my fridge for another year maybe and yeah okay <laughs> it's still you know it's still good I think that uh, you know, the properties of miso change over time. And mm-hmm. so it's good to taste. I think that the, you know, probiotics are not as strong, maybe. So like the nutritional qualities aren't as strong, but um, it's not as lively, right? It's not <laughs> as lively, but but you can still ta- if you can still taste it and it still tastes the same, I think you can continue. Yeah. Do you have it. a recommendation on how we should store that um, 
little box of miso. I also do the same where I kind of keep it in the back of my fridge for like way past expiration date. Right, right. But what is a, yeah, what's a reasonable way to handle that? Well, if you buy the miso that ha- it comes in a plastic um, like square container, yeah. it often comes with a film, like a almost looks like wax parchment, paper, yeah. parchment paper. And I always keep that. Keep so that. Okay. Keep that right. and make sure um, it touches the it miso. It touches the miso mm-hmm. so that air is not, you know, it's not exposed to air. Because mm-hmm. I think that with, you know, with miso, because it's a live product, you don't want it to be affected by its environment. Also, I think, like, um, somebody asked me if you can freeze miso. I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer for that, but I do think, like, if you do freeze miso, it does kill a lot of, like, the health benefits and the probiotics Uh, of miso. Yeah. But, I mean, you should be able to use it within a year or two. (laughs) (laughs) Especially after we talk about all the different ways to use it up. Um, and what about leaving it um, outside of the fridge? Is that okay? Traditionally, peop- you know, families would keep it outside oh. in mm. um, airtight jars. Like, you know, I mean, in the old days, like people would put it underground or in like cool corners. And I, w- I mean, we do that at Besso during the winter months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I think it depends on humidity and like, you know, where in the world you are really. Yeah. Um, are there things that you shouldn't do to miso? Like things, well, I guess like freezing it, maybe <laughs> it's like removing some of the health properties. What about mm-hmm. like when cooking it? What are there, the you things should to look out not, for? For the same reasons, um, you shouldn't really freeze it. Mm. I think you shouldn't boil it either because that also kills the, ah. the nutritional elements of miso. Yeah. So um, when you're making miso soup... Mm-hmm. When does that miso get plopped in? So you would um, make sure that the liquid is really hot. Still, the dashi is really hot, um, but you would you should turn off the heat. And then you um, would take a little strainer or a little basket and you just whisk the miso in there. And I would say just start off with like a little bit, um, taste it, and then add a little bit more if you need it. Because I think another common mistake is oversalting. Um, and then I would say you shouldn't like, pair it with other um, ingredients that are salty as well because you could you know make a dressing that could be too salty or like um, you could definitely like over marinate um, beef or um, you know any other proteins as well. I like to make the miso soup with dashi which is the you know fish stock and then also cook the vegetables or whatever else you're putting in the miso soup first Mm -hmm. and then in doing what you know Emily was saying kind of incorporating the miso last once you turn off the heat Uh, um, that makes a lot of sense when you go back to Japan does it ever surprise you how much miso is being used in daily meals like for example do people sub it out for salt oh yeah I mean you know Japanese food I think tends to be on either salty or sweet or a combination mm-hmm. it's uh you know the the umami flavor coming out um in a lot of dishes and it's really because everything is paired with rice so you know rice is kind of the blank canvas and then mm-hmm. you're eating little bites of of you know pickles and other items and then the miso soup so there is definitely miso kind of 
hidden in different yes. dishes. <laughs> and I was um, quite surprised, you know, like I cooked French cuisine for many years. And when I transitioned to cooking Japanese food, like how um, less salt we used in our everyday cooking, you know, it's replaced with, you know, um, miso, like mm-hmm. soy sauce, and a lot of like re- natural, like um, salt, salty flavors. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's really interesting. So, um, your pantry must be very colorful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty colorful. <laughs> but yeah, we've. I mean, a lot of times when you cook with miso or soy sauce or those kind of um, pantry items, you. You really don't need to add salt for seasoning, so because the miso becomes the seasoning. Exactly. Um, what are some unexpected ways that you like to use miso? I know you mentioned earlier dressings, mm-hmm. um, so it's a good way to like round out a flavor in a dressing. Yes, definitely. I mean, miso is basically the secret ingredient that's used in so many dishes in Japanese cuisine. Um, and it can be used in other other dishes as well. Um, I like to put miso in different sauces. Like if you're making even a pasta dish, it's like a great way to add a little bit of umami to a meat sauce, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I love stews. Like I, you know, even making like a like a kimchi stew, like a Korean dish, I add a little bit of miso mm-hmm. to add some creaminess to it. So, yeah, I mean, I use it on a yeah, lot of Yeah, it sounds dishes. like it's not just the flavor, but also the texture. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so, like, creamy, and it's really kind of envelops in your mouth that um, it's almost like a dairy replacement, you know, for mm-hmm. different dishes. Okay, it's serving a lot of purposes <laughs> here. Yeah, I mean, I think in more and more, like, you know, non-Japanese chefs are using miso in their cuisine, and I think mm-hmm. that's really um, cool that, you know, other uh, non-Japanese chefs are exploring yeah, that. Yeah, they're seeing that, um, how purposeful it can be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you see that? Do you remember? Um, I think even just online, there's, like, so many recipes, but a lot of, uh, you know, like, Jean-Georges uses a lot of, like, Japanese cuisine, and he oh, will cool. use a lot of miso in his cooking. Um, but, yeah, just, like, I think Italian, I don't know if Italian chefs, but a lot of, like, French and, you know, American chefs are using miso in their everyday cooking. Um, I, yeah, I saw it in a chili recipe recently. What? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Okay. It's, like, the hidden little something, you know? Yeah. Just it makes it more flavorful, right. more creamy. It's like it adds a complex flavor. Um, what are some of your favorite dishes at the restaurant that you guys use miso for? Um, I think I mean one of I think the most one of the most surprising ways we use it is in our miso caramel ice cream. And I think it adds like, you know, a salty, sweet, uh, familiar taste for everyone, but also it's like miso. So it's like really different. So for that, we will use red miso. So it's a little bit stronger. Okay. Yeah. Um, But I also personally love that, you know, we mix uh, tamamiso with yogurt and marinade fish with that. And it breaks down the proteins and um, keeps the fish like really moist as well. So it almost becomes like a Japanese tandoori style dish. So you can use that miso with yogurt to marinate chicken, to marinate different different proteins, basically. Um, so one of the dishes I really love from Beso is the miso steamed clams. We uh, 
add a little bit of tahini to the mm. miso. And we still make kind of a like a sakamushi style sake steam clam with dashi, but add miso and, and tahini, and it really gives like a creamy effect to it. Mm, and soy milk. Oh, and soy milk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love that, especially um, the photo you sent me of the banana fosters <laughs> with the miso right. ice cream. Oh my God, I can just like <laughs> imagine that texture and flavor in my mouth right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, We are going to take a really quick break, and we will be right back with more Feast Meets West. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn featuring spectacular plant displays year-round. Mark your calendars for Saturday, September 28th, when the Chili Pepper Festival returns to Brooklyn Botanic Garden. At this all-day celebration of all things hot and spicy, indulge in sizzling bites from 40 food artisans, enjoy spicy food demonstrations, foodie-friendly tours and talks, activities for kids, and live performances by musicians and artists around the garden. Stay through the evening for a special concert that brings New Orleans to Brooklyn. Festival goers can jam out to the legendary New Orleans musicians John Papa Gross, Walter Wolfman Washington, and New Orleans Queen of Soul, Irma Thomas. Joining the fun will be Big Chief Monk Boudreaux, bringing the traditions of the Mardi Gras Indians to the heart of Brooklyn. Learn more about Brooklyn Botanic Garden at bbg.org. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. And you know, Heritage Radio Radio Network has thousands more. Hi, my name is Linda Palaccio, and I'm the host on A Taste of the Past here on HRN. Join us on a weekly journey through culinary history, where we explore the when, where, what, and why of food throughout history. You can find A Taste of the Past wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Feast Meets West, and we are talking about miso. Um, so basically, uh, we can put in everything, (laughs) but is there ever, um, you know, too much miso? (laughs) I don't think there's ever too much miso because it's, you don't need to use a lot and it's really, it can be just like inserted in so many different dishes. Just don't have like a crazy heavy hand with it on the first try Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It is very salty if you just eat, you know like spoonfuls of miso. <laughs> right, it's not like peanut butter. It's not quite the Although, same. Although, you know, at the restaurant, we have a dish where you we roll um, oh. the tama miso. Okay. That um, with the is egg a yolk. sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, we actually make a vegan version without oh. egg yolk. Oh, mm-hmm. let's talk about that too. So <laughs> you can have a vegan version of miso. Like, how does that work? And then also I read somewhere gluten-free and soy-free versions, which is crazy being mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, originally soybean. I mean, miso is vegan. It just has the, you know, the koji and uh, some kind of bean or legume and then salt. So it's really not, you know, like it's friendly towards vegans. Uh, For gluten-free people, I think that you can use chickpeas or different different beans to make it gluten-free. Well, you can still... um 
have uh, like you know pure soybeans, which is uh, what miso is made from, is right. gluten free. But um, I think people get confused because soy sauce is not gluten free, mm. and wheat is added to soy sauce um, mm-hmm. in order for that to ferment. But um, you know, vegans and gluten free people, celiacs can have um, miso. Yeah, miso. <laughs> right. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I think I was confused too. Just I know it's a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, so miso is basically everyone's best friend. <laughs> um, what are your favorite brands or where do you guys typically source your miso for the restaurant and also at home? For home, I go to Sunrise. I mean, mm-hmm. well, it's close to my house, but they also have a great selection. So I often get it there. Um, I do love the Saikyo miso because it's so special. Uh, it has a more elegant flavor to it. It's kind of the lightest and creamiest of misos. So it reminds me of butter. It does, yeah. It's like camembert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, I could like it. <laughs> well, I, I was also reading that it has like double the um, rice koji to soybean mm. ratio, and that's what's making it so creamy and not very salty. Um, so I like to have that in my fridge. Um, and you can find that at Sunrise? That You can find that at Sunrise. Um, there's, yeah, I mean, there's a, I think it's called Saikyo Miso. It's by Sen. It's like a little, a bag um, in a plastic bag. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I like to use that one. But there's so many different kinds, and I think it's it's fun to explore, you know. I mean, they're coming out with, so many different versions some have like barley grains in it which is really nice Mm -hmm. it's nice to have like little kind of rough bits of grains in the in your sauces or soups um so yeah i would encourage people to to just kind of explore and have fun with it yeah i haven't seen it at sunrise but um I was looking at South River Miso Company makes the chickpea mm. miso. Okay. And they Have you tried be, it? I haven't tried it. Okay. But it sounds really interesting. Yeah. I'm sure it's uh, really good, but um, it's really interesting to see that. And also Miso Master makes an Azuki red bean miso as well. So Next time we'll have to do a tasting here. <laughs> it sounds so interesting. Um, have you guys ever tried to make miso at home or at the restaurant? Is it something that you could do at home? I think so. I mean, we... I'm really impatient, (laughs) personally. (laughs) It takes at least six months. um, So I would say... And I mean... And that precious fridge real estate. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) true. Um, We don't make it at the restaurant, but I think it's it's pretty simple to make at home. Um, You basically, you know, boil soybeans if you're doing it with soybeans and then um, mash it and then put koji um, add koji and salt to it and koji can also be found in the, at the supermarket mm, that's cool mm-hmm. um, where do you guys source your miso for the restaurant uh, we have a Japanese um, supplier that we have really good a really good relationship with mm-hmm. and um, we'll just tell them what we want for what application and they'll help us find like you know the best miso oh for that. awesome yeah. how many um, varieties are you guys using currently we use we use a red miso white miso and then we make the tama miso in-house yum um, 
what do you do to taste or to check for quality? And do you feel like you can taste the difference between something that's industrial made and then like small batch miso? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I feel like with small batch miso, you can taste each ingredient. You know, it's like definitely more, there's something, I don't know, there's something different about it. It's even more umami (laughs) than the umami that you already get. Exactly. Industrial miso tends to be very kind of like smooth in texture, and there isn't a lot of texture to the actual Oh, yeah. I can see how that's more of like a craftsman type of texture and flavor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what else are you guys up to at Besso these days? Oh, we can't even keep up. <laughs> um, Other well, than coming up with really inventive miso dishes. Um, well, we just opened Time Out Market, um, and that's uh, located in Dumbo. So we're about three months old mm-hmm. at um, in Time Out Market, and you know we're featuring bentos and sushi crispy rice, and we have an amazing miso sauce uh, that we put over our salmon and our beef over there. Oh, amazing. Um, so is it different from the dishes that you offer at Beso? Well, we're featuring some of our best of dishes. So the karage, our Japanese-style uh, fried chicken, is definitely on there. And then our crispy rice, which is very popular at the restaurant, is also featured at Time Out. So we do our salmon, sashimi crispy rice. We're doing a spicy tuna. And then a yellowtail ceviche, which we make with... a a negi verde or scallion verde sauce. Yum. Um, And the fall is coming up. Um, Do you have more projects for the fall or the holidays? We're definitely planning uh, some special dinners for the fall. We were talking about a new moon, uh, I'm sorry, a full moon harvest dinner, which is, uh, I guess, very popular in different Asian cultures, but Japanese uh, people celebrate it as well and so we're gonna do something in October for that and then I don't know I mean we do have other projects lined up but <laughs> I can't really talk about that right now. <laughs> um, I think like it really I mean fall and winter gets um, us really excited for cooking donabes or mm. like hot pots and mm. um, I think that's when we kind of like thrive because we have like so many different like stews and hot pots that we put on the menu so that's kind of uh, our big uh, menu change coming into fall and winter that's true <laughs> yeah how much of the menu do you change over the course of the year um, we try to do uh, four times a year, but uh, winter and fall will be more just like a big change of um, more of the hot pots. Mm-hmm. So we'll change the entire section out and have like, new hot pots on there. Oh my gosh, that's going to be perfect for the cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to talk about right now as it's muggy and a little bit gross out. Um, but like the gorgeous like colors and flavors of the hot pot. Oh my gosh. Um, so we are going to do just a quick round of quick fire questions before we wrap up the show. Um, so please just share what comes to mind first. Um, what is the best thing you ate recently? It can be out at your restaurant or something you made at home. Hmm. I just, um, made these really 
good goose fat potatoes on my day off um, this week. It was really <laughs> what a way good. to treat yourself. <laughs> For some reason, my husband has goose fat in right, the fridge. Right, I was going <laughs> to ask about the goose fat part. Um, he came back from England recently, so he has goose fat in there. And we had um, just our, a very... Is that nice a common, like, English thing that they use? Yeah, I, they use a lot of, like, you know... Uh, like duck fat, goose fat. I mean, it's very much in their like roasts, and mm. roast is one of their like you know food that they always eat. So I just made some goose fat potatoes, um, which was really good because you you like kind of half cook the potatoes, you boil rusted potatoes for um, about like six minutes, and then uh, you dry it out, and then you like roast it in the oven, and it gets really crispy with the goose fat at high heat. So I ate that. I don't know. And we're going to go to Winsun tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I just went to Casa Adela yesterday and had amazing rotisserie chicken and maduros. And oh, my gosh. Where is that? <laughs> That's on Avenue C and I want to say 5th Street or 4th Street. It's been around forever, but it has some Such of the best Puerto Rican food. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we eat the same things, Mike. You had roast chicken, I had roast chicken. Just, like. it's just yeah, we, I I really wanted something simple. Yeah, and yeah. we're always eating out, I would say, at different, <laughs> at new restaurants. Yeah, so my next question is, what's your new favorite restaurant that you visited in the last year? And it can be in or outside of New York. Mm. Let me think. <laughs> well, I'm going back to Maine this month but last year I went for one of my best friend's weddings and I went to Eventide in Portland and I thought all of their food was so delicious they have so many different selections of oysters but um, they had really interesting pairings of like different Asian ingredients in their dishes so they had a lot of um, different applications of kombu kelp and also miso. They were mm. um, broiling miso, broiling a fish and had like a miso glaze on top, which was really nice. Oh, I'm just thinking like miso and oysters. Oh, like oysters Rockefeller with, with miso and like a cheese on top would be so delicious. <laughs> New dish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of oyster hot pot. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, any new restaurant that you tried, Emily, that you like? Um, I'm actually going back to Winston for like the third time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's the it'll be my the restaurant time. or the bakery? I heard that just uh, opened. The bakery, bakery just opened. I haven't been yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I live in, I live really nearby. So um, I'm always looking for really good Asian restaurants um, in the area, in Williamsburg. So um, yeah, it'll be like my third or fourth time going to Winston. So I would say <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite food city right now in the world? Hmm. Food city. I'm, well, I have a a trip coming up in a few weeks going to Morocco. (gasps) Wow. So I'm really excited about that. I've, uh, you know, me and Micah both used to work at a Mediterranean restaurant. So Mm. we both have a, we both love Mediterranean food. So I'm really looking forward to eating tagines. Um, and just a lot of the spices and everything there. So I would say, I would hope that's my new favorite city for eating. <laughs> that's a great answer. Um, well, in the past couple of years, I've been to Mexico City, which I thought was really thriving with their, I, with what they're doing with different foods. I mean, even just like going to the markets and seeing the different 
um, stalls, different dishes, kind of like melding of different cultures. It was really, really fun and exciting to see. All right. Well, thanks for all the answers and for teaching us so much about miso. Thank you. Thank you so much. That wraps up our show. Thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. Did you learn something new today? Maybe you want to share that with a friend and tell them about this show. As always, we appreciate your support, and it would mean so much if you could leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back in a couple weeks, that's September 18th, with another awesome conversation from the world of Asian food. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebrations happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.